Hey there, friends. My name is Ann Calvillo, and welcome to Her Scars Tell a Story podcast, a safe space for women from all different walks of life and different backgrounds coming together to share their stories of God's redeeming love. So grab your cup of coffee and journey with us now. Hey there, friends. Welcome to Her Scars Tell a Story. I'm your host, Ann Calvillo, and today I'm with a very special guest. Her name is Chrissy Halt. Hi, Chrissy. How are you? Hi, Ann. Thank you for having me today. Oh, thank you for being a guest. Well, I know you took a little drive to get here. Mm-hmm. You got caught by a train, and that happens a lot here in Chicago, right? Yes. <laughs> Forever, never-ending trains. Right? Can you tell us where you're originally from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I grew up mostly in Pennsylvania. So, Eastern, East Coast girl from that side. Um, lived in, you know, suburban uh, outside of Philadelphia. I was the oldest of six. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about what your home life looked like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a, in a family where my parents are believers. I was raised to know God. They were strong, like connected in a church. And um, I was actually home educated from kindergarten through 12th grade. So that's kind of yeah. something unique about me. Um, But also, a short period of my childhood, we lived in Brazil. So my parents were missionaries there. I was very young, four four years old to like seven years old. But I learned Portuguese. God used that a lot in my life to just open my eyes to God working in people different than me, different cultures, languages, and just to have that like awe about how he works in different ways around the world. And then we came back when I was seven. And then kind of assimilated back into our everyday normal lives in the middle, suburban middle class white America again. But that that experience changed me and it touched me a lot. So and then homeschooling all along, I always felt like a little bit of an outsider mm-hmm. uh, among even my church friends or, you know, in, in my community. And so God, I think, used those feelings of inferiority or being different to draw me closer to him as I became a teenager and and just struggled with with feeling like an outsider so yeah and so you said you were the oldest of six siblings yes were they all homeschooled too yeah yeah we were all homeschooled I had god bless your mom (laughs) two sisters yes two sisters and then three brothers that came along after the youngest one was born when I was 17 so yeah and I was just heading to college by, you know before he turned a year so yeah wow, that's so cool I admire women who homeschool I don't think I could ever do that that's not my gifting or anything uh-huh. but I admire that growing up what did you see when your mom homeschooled what did you learn from her what did you apply with your children now mm. yeah I think I still have that even though my kids go to school and I have I have not felt that same calling my mom is amazing like she was yeah. very administrative you know knew exactly what needed to be done when very organized and so you know we had a, a smooth well-run household and um, I know I benefited a lot from that style of education and learning and um, I know they always loved the flexibility you know to be able to um, 
you know, have school and then to be able to say, we're going to do school different today. We're going to go on a field trip or, you know, that, that counts as school. I mean, we're hearing that. Does this count as school? Or <laughs> things awesome. like that. But um, just to, yeah, I think it, it just gave like a, a flexibility to learning and also just realizing how, you know, school isn't the only place learning takes place. You know, it happens in so many different ways and as you explore and as you do life together. So. Yeah. Wow. And so you said you felt a little bit like an outsider. Um, as a believer growing up in a Christian home, what did that look like? I think for me, because I was homeschooled, I didn't feel, I felt like I was missing something with my mm -hmm. friends that were in school. So, and I was yeah. very social. Uh -huh. So I always felt like, um, I was, I was missing out on social life, especially. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a big part of it, but to just feeling different. Yeah. I don't know why, but just those few years we were gone in Brazil, we came back and life was different. There were microwaves in every house. There were VCRs. <laughs> My parents were getting ATM cards. They didn't exist before then. <laughs> there was just a lot of pop culture too. I think that kids all of a sudden get in that age range, which I don't, I didn't realize but yeah, I think it was, it was just like, I missed something. And that just became a part of my identity then for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And then to Brazil, you said you had a chance to experience, you know, just a different culture, a different way of life. Mm -hmm. How did that impact you growing up? Mm. Yeah. At first, of course, I didn't speak Portuguese, the language, and then just, uh, learned it over time interacting with people. I went to the camps that my parents, my dad was Bible at a Bible Institute. So they had to pick up Portuguese pretty quickly. And so I guess we all kind of did. And then there would be camps that I would go to with other kids from, you know, Brazilian kids. And so I, I learned the gospel, but I saw it being lived out and applied and in cultures and lives different than mine. I got, I got to travel a little and see things and uh, I think just see God God move and work and, and see God's love change people and me being a recipient of that too so yeah yeah, yeah. growing up in a Christian home you grow up knowing about the Lord and hear a lot of talk about having a relationship with God mm -hmm. when do you feel that your relationship with the Lord was established where you knew like I have a relationship with Jesus now. Mm. I have a very specific memory of being six years old and by myself looking out the window in Brazil. Like we lived out, um, we lived out in the countryside. So there were just tons of stars, like just seeing the Milky Way and just like feeling a conviction in my spirit that I have not fully put my faith in Jesus yet. And I want him to be the boss of my life. And so I remember at that point just doing it by myself. <laughs> and yeah. so, and that's always been a part of my story, but I probably didn't even tell my mom, you know, the yeah. next day, oh, I just, you know, decided <laughs> to put my faith in Jesus and that he forgave me of my sin and, you know, I've been set free, you know, but, wow. but um, that's where it started. And of course, you know, I think there's a lot of ups and downs in any person's life, you know, as they, as a a new believer, a young believer growing. So I would, you know, I don't say that the fruit really started to happen a lot until I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, all those, all those feelings of being an outsider, the comparison or the shame, you know, that we, that I experienced, I began to like really seek God and to find an intimacy with him that I didn't have yet until then. 
And so I just, I really think God used that, those feelings to draw me to him and to find what I didn't have in him. And I, you know, I found his love was enough and, and that everything I was lacking, like that he was enough for me. And God gave me good friendships that pointed me toward him. I had some good experiences getting to do some youth ministry, like a a missions trip to California when I was a teenager. I also went back to Brazil when I was 14 for a summer. And so God just used those experiences to draw me to him. At any point along your walk, did you feel disconnected with God in your relationship with him? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's happened in different seasons in my life and not not just as a teenager, definitely as an adult too. I think I've gone through like desert seasons and dry seasons where I just struggled or haven't heard from God or I was going on my own way, you know, where I just, I wanted, you know, either there were desires I had that were taking my focus off of the Lord or, yeah, I think, I think that was definitely a, a real part of my life and my personality is social but I'm also very introverted so it's easy for me to get overwhelmed it's easy for me to get paralyzed and not feel like I can move forward because of either anxieties or um, way I compare myself to others or ways that I seek to please other people instead of the Lord and so I think those things have been areas of my life where I've had to definitely grow in or you know, have had to come back to God and be like, God, I'm wrong. I know that you're enough for me. And I know that you accept me, you know, for who I am. And I need to trust you and not in myself and my own strength. Mm. We mentioned you're being homeschooled Mm -hmm. and now you're in college. What does college life look like? And when did you meet your husband? (laughs) (laughs) That's always the question. Um, I met my husband before college. (laughs) See, I'm glad I asked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on that missions trip, uh, I was Uh 16 and he was 14. He was from Maryland and I was from Pennsylvania. We started out in California and it was a missions trip to, um, it was a lot of ministry training and we served to like, there was a, a fellowship of churches that we were both a part of. So we'd never met each other before then, but we came together with a bunch of other teens our age. We were trained in like evangelism and doing children's outreach programs. And also we spent time traveling from church to church and just serving the church and encouraging the church in different ways. Sometimes it was doing a lot of work, like manual labor. Sometimes it was going out in the communities and inviting people to different events. But that's where I met my husband. Okay. We were not allowed to like have any special interests or date on that trip. But that's when he says, I noticed her and I thought, she's the one I want to marry. And I had noticed him at that point. And, you know, we, we got to know each other and we couldn't exclusively, you know, pursue each other or you know so we we took the opportunities we could to have time to talk or to get to know each other and then at the end of the summer was a youth conference we went to and I found out that he confessed that he liked me there and and uh-huh. I think I told some friends the same so, oh, okay. so that's where you know that's where we got to know each other and we started writing letters um, because email was just starting to be a thing <laughs> yeah. This is like uh, 1995. <laughs> okay, yeah, it was just starting up. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, we wrote some letters, and then my that was my senior year. I remember he wrote me one letter that he was dating someone. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's not anything. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like, all right, I was disappointed, but I 
I guess I moved on. I was okay. Uh And then I went to college. He was a couple years behind me. And he ended Uh up going to the same college, which was a small Christian college in Indiana. Um, That was also affiliated with our church, though. Okay. Um, Yeah, it was there. Uh, So you had asked about college, too, then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was an adjustment coming from homeschooling yeah, for sure. And a lot of it was just me learning to like organize and keep myself on track with my grades and not all social life and, you know, all yeah. those things. So it took a couple years, but I got in stride and it's one, I saw God work so much through college. Even, even the, the process of deciding was like so painful for me. Like, yeah. how do you make that decision is very hard. And I was I've always been scared of big decisions, so yeah. just a lot of fears. So in that process, my dad lost his job my senior year, and I was mm-hmm. telling the school, because, you know, they always call, and uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm able to go this year. My dad lost his job, and I saw God work through that, though, because what happened was they were able to provide me with more financial aid than I would have received if he was still working and I was actually ended up being able probably even you know yeah. got more received more assistance than I would have so I was able to go God provided even through that difficult experience and then I wanted to do social work that is just over time God was working in my heart opening my eyes through experiences in Brazil seeing street kids or I just yeah I saw I saw needs and I, I wanted to meet them or you know I yeah. wanted to to be a part of that so I was like I think I wrote on my college application social work, and Grace College didn't have social work. Okay. <laughs> but uh-huh. I, I was like, well, maybe I'll try counseling or something. So yeah. I, the, the, my freshman year, by the end, they announced they were starting a social work program. So that was, wow. like, really encouraging That's to me. So like, yeah. wow, thank you, God. I know this is exactly what I want to do, you know. So I signed right up for that program. So, yeah. yeah. But college was a wonderful experience for me. And, um, yeah, just building relationships of, of maturing as a believer, of having an opportunity to um, do leadership in different ways, like as an RA. And we would take trips to Chicago and do ministry a couple months or a couple weekends a semester. So I did that as well. So Okay. So your husband, he ends up going to the same college? Mm-hmm. So he came along, um, I guess my junior year, he was a freshman and we ended up in the same New Testament class. And he's, he says now, like, he was very careful about picking his seat because they were, like, assigned. <laughs> I don't know. We had the same seats all semester, so he was right next to me. <laughs> and I did not, I didn't realize he was still interested at that point. Right. Um, but then my senior year, I think he was just like, I better make a move because she's going to leave. Yeah. So then he invited me to homecoming. And that's kind of when like, it was just neat. Like it was good timing in my heart and life too, just where I was at. Um, yeah. And so we just spent time getting to know each other more then. And I think we kind of started a relationship, but it was really stressful for me because again, I was making a decision about where I was going to be yeah. after I graduated. And I remember having a very sad breakup for um at that point again it was just it was a difficult timing I was I was trying to seek God on where he wanted me to be I didn't feel ready for marriage yet necessarily and didn't want to lead him on if you know I didn't know if he was the one or whatever so yeah we broke up then and God had been opening opportunities in Philadelphia there was a church that was um 
the people were aging. They'd moved out of the neighborhood. They weren't real connected to the community there anymore, even though the church, there was a church building. Okay. And so they, they passed it on for a restart. And so it was about the time I was graduating from college. So I was so drawn to that idea of like moving into a neighborhood and, you know, the, the church being around the corner from where you lived and to be able to like yeah. rub shoulders with neighbors and do ministry. And it just sounded like a, a just a really neat environment to, to do ministry. So I moved there. I got a full-time job in social work. And that was, I say, my boot camp to <laughs> inner city life and, yeah. and just learning what families deal with in mm. the city and yeah. the struggles that they face. And the neighborhood we were in was Puerto Rican and Dominican mainly, some African-American and a few Polish or Irish older white people that live there. So that was my Philadelphia neighborhood. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you grew up in this neighborhood. Now you're able to minister to the people in your neighborhood. Different cultures, different backgrounds, everyone, you know, just kind of a mixed group of people, mm -hmm. very diverse. I love that, by mm -hmm. the way. What do you feel that you learned? What did you take away from that culture and people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's just so much. It's hard to know how to sum it all up. Yeah. But um, I was just even just reflecting just this last week mm -hmm. on, you know, my child growing up, feeling a little bit of an outsider and, and not um, like I could relate, you know, with the people around me. And I was like, I wonder if God used that um, mm -hmm. in my life to prepare me for being around cultures that are different than me I think by the time I got there I was pretty comfortable with that idea of yeah you know just like well everybody's different but God can work the same in all of them and just having that faith to see that God can do reveal himself to people yeah it was just learning the Puerto Rican culture man I I love their culture so much and yeah. I just love you know, they became dear brothers and sisters and family to us. And then we yeah. lived in Philly almost 20 years. So, mm. um, yeah. And then I think moving, I mean, I think we'll talk more about that transition, but, yeah. but moving to Chicago and, and learning Mexican culture. And yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I think there was, uh -huh. I had a false assumption for a while, you know, that like, yeah. you know, Latino culture is kind of all similar, but no, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I've, I've learned, you know, um, uh -huh. You know, my Mexican brothers and sisters come from a very different place than the, my Puerto Rican brothers and sisters. And so it's been a journey learning, yeah. <laughs> getting to know that too. And yeah, that, that process. I feel like that's, I mean, that's enriching. Mm -hmm. I feel like getting to know people that are not like you, getting to know the beauty of their culture, getting to know the way they connect and relate and being able to connect and relate with them through Christ mm -hmm. because as you mentioned now we're brothers and sisters yeah. um, but we get this opportunity to know this whole different way of life mm -hmm. you know and and see God in the midst of that in, in the midst of all of that right um but go ahead oh yeah it just um one verse that stuck out to me just over the years is from Ephesians and it just talks about I can't quote it specifically, but it talks about um, God breaking down the the walls of hostility. Um, and I think in that, in Ephesians, he's probably talking more specifically between the Gentiles and the Jews and, and how they, they are both part of God's new covenant in, in knowing Jesus. Getting to like witness that in our, like our 
day yeah. and age now. Yeah. Um, and getting to see God break down walls of hostility between cultures is, I think, just one of the most beautiful parts of the gospel. Yeah. So, like, that just gets me going. So I get really Talk sick. a little bit about that because you got me going. <laughs> I want to hear more. Uh, yeah, because only outside of the work of God in someone's life, people have no reason to really pursue each other much. You know, there's, I think, the the social good in mm -hmm. it. Like mm -hmm. when people get along, there's harmonious communities and it's better for the children growing up. And if there's no violence because people are loving each other and yeah. looking out for each other, obviously. But when Jesus comes into a person's life and he gives us that joy, that freedom, that forgiveness, so we can extend that grace to others. And that's what it is so much about <clears throat> cross-culturally is because I need to know that the things that I've done that are wrong have been forgiven mm -hmm. uh, so that I can extend that grace that only comes through Jesus to, to another person. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like that in my family, <laughs> you yeah. know, too. I'm always like, yeah. you know why I forgive you? Because Jesus has forgiven me. Yes. And so, and I think that's, that's what it has to be cross-culturally because we're always going to offend each other because we're, we're different, yeah, we're different. You know, we, and there's, there's different in different cultures, mm -hmm. you know, we all have our priorities about what's important to us or yeah. the way we want things or we way, the way we think things are best. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's very easy to just be offended and, mm -hmm. or to like, um, discount someone else, you know, because they're different. So I think getting to be a witness and getting to experience that, in my life has just been just such a joy to me. And yeah. I mean, I have so much to learn. Like I, I'm sure, like, I don't know if I've always done the greatest job of like actually working through all of the, cause reconciliation is hard, you yeah. know, and it takes communication and it takes work and it takes perseverance um, and it takes, yeah, just not giving up and saying God, like being committed to that process of loving um, another person. So yeah. yeah, and I know that brings God glory. So that's that's something that just excites me about getting to to live among people different than me. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, you like you mentioned, you came, you were living in Philadelphia, then you married, right? And then you all, how long you said you lived there? Twenty years, mm -hmm. and then you all moved out to Chicago. Mm -hmm. So what was that like, Philadelphia and uh -huh. now Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I'll just take a minute to say this because this is this is just something that's like impressed me over and over in my life. Yeah. Is be careful what you vow in your life that you will never do because <laughs> God has a way of turning that around. Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. Over and over again. So funny things. Like, okay, so I, I lived in Brazil. I learned Portuguese. So to me, Spanish always gave me a bad taste because I learned Portuguese. They're similar, but they sound different, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I I remember at some point being like, oh, I never want to learn Spanish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that God changed that. So yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I am still learning Spanish. And, you know, that's a big prayer request of mine that I would finally be fluent. I've been working on it for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but another thing is I always, I vowed that I would not parallel park because it is just too hard. <laughs> I don't like it. It's scary. Uh -huh. God also, in that situation, he just changed my heart because I wanted to go to Philly. I started developing a love and a heart for Philly. And yeah. if I was going to go to Philly, I was going to have to parallel park. Yeah. And so I remember the first time I drove down by myself, I drove like 
I ended up like three blocks away from where I needed to be because I was looking for a spot I could pull into. (laughs) But, you know, over time, it wasn't a big deal. And I became a parallel parker pro. (laughs) I've I've gotten rusty these days. But, Uh but yeah, I used to pride myself on being able to get into very tight spots. I feel like even in Chicago, especially if you live in areas where there's apartment buildings, Uh you know, and I feel like the parking is very limited. Mm -hmm. So if you're not saving your spot, it's a tight squeeze and you just got to somehow maneuver into it. Not cause any dents or scratches. (laughs) Yes, but that's what I was going to say was Chicago was never on my radar. I never thought, oh, someday I just want to live in Chicago. Uh We were in Philly. I was... Um, we were committed there. Like I was there. I'm here until God leads me somewhere else. I knew not to say I'm here forever because I know mm-hmm. that God often makes changes and transitions in our lives. But I was comfortable there. I was happy. I, I felt committed and I loved the community and the neighbors and the ministry we were a part of. So mm-hmm. that was that was never, Chicago wasn't on our radar at all. Uh-huh. Living in the Midwest. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's colder here. It is really cold. <laughs> of things that happened in Philly that just that started to make us realize that maybe that opportunity and that time that we were there was changing. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't a place where we felt like God was calling us anymore and, and there must be something new for us. And there was a lot of heartache and a lot of just process that went on in, in all of that through that process. God worked in us and, and just kind of confirmed again, you know, mm-hmm. his faithfulness and his goodness to us. And we went through a process of like, God, where do you want us? You know, mm-hmm. and we looked, my husband had um, some relationships with New Life here in, in Chicago and began reaching out and setting up times to visit and, and then a couple other places too we looked into. And it just became apparent over, it was pretty quick, a couple of months that, you know, this is, this is where God was, was leading us and, and opening the way for us. So it was, yeah, in all of that journey, it was painful. There was a lot of heartache for me in letting go of Philly and what God was doing there. But it was also a process of, of refining me because I was putting, I had, I didn't realize all the hopes that I'd put into my work and into the ministry, which are good things, but they aren't things to, to base your hope in. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a process of learning, no, my hope needs to be in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. And life changes, ministry changes, God's works in different ways in different seasons. And so there was a, a, a time of just like stripping away mm-hmm. and of, of just kind of, yeah, there, I mean, sometimes it, it left me feeling unsteady or or unsure because I also you know you put your identity into what you do and so when you're what you do changes you're like it can be a little unsettling yeah but it was a good process because it it reminded me oh my home is in heaven you know so even though my home is changing I know I'm secure in him and I know where I I will always be and also what I do my identity shouldn't be based on that it's based on my relationship with Christ. So there was just a, a definitely a period of time of just being reshaped and reformed in that and reestablished 
in him before we moved on to ministry. We had a year where we moved to Chicago and we didn't have to be like in leader, any kind of leadership or responsibility in that way. And it was just such a, a good healing time for us, a time to pause, a time to um, put our eyes on Jesus and just kind of say, okay, we're here and we're trusting you for what you have for us. That year was when Chicago, 2019, I think the winter, it got down to negative 22. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh no. So <laughs> it was, yeah. That was you like, got to ex- it was like culture shock. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, whoa, what is this? I'm not sure I even really set foot outside those couple days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, I don't blame you. I don't step foot out uh, when it's yeah. that cold. Yeah. But even the negative 14 days. Oh, I know. <laughs> Anything below days. zero, I'm just like, I don't, I really question it. Do I, do I go out there or not? Or do I, do I hang out under this blanket? Yeah. What do I do? It seems a little dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And then the older you get, your yeah. bones tell you. Yeah. So, okay. So then you move out to Chicago. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your family. How many children do you mm-hmm. have? Yeah, we have five kids. The youngest was born in 2018, the year we moved uh-huh. to Chicago. So, I mean, he just turned five now. So it's, we've been in Chicago almost five years, and yeah. it's crazy for me to think about. He was born in Philadelphia, but he that's not part of his identity at all. Chicago is. Yeah. You know, he's a Chicagoan. <laughs> that is interesting to think about. We bring him back to visit Philly, and he gets to see, you know, I was like, oh, there's the hospital where you were born, and, you know, there's the Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell, you know, Aww. just things that are part of Philadelphia where he was born. Yeah. Yeah. And how did your kids do with the transition? Different ones took it differently. So Uh when we initially presented the idea to them, we just kind of asked for their input. Hey, you guys, God called Abraham on a journey. Uh And what do you think if God called us on a journey? And they were all in very excited, ready for the adventure. Uh Uh, Our oldest at that time was, let's see, he was probably 11, 10, 11. And so they were excited. But when it did come down to actually leaving, you know, their roots, their home that they'd been born into and grown up, there was one of my kids it was very hard on. So there was definitely times of just deep struggle and getting comfortable with Chicago. You know, so many friendships and yeah, people that were like family to us that we had left behind. So, yeah, that was difficult. It was difficult. But God, you know, God provided a school that was very similar to the one they went to in Philly. And so that in that way, I think that was such a blessing. And, and then there were families that would just like either from church or from school that would be like, hey, come over to our house. And and so we just felt so much of God's grace in that transition, just him providing for us and, you know, new relationships and, and just confirmation you know of us being here and new and not knowing anything and getting used to a new place and Mm. yeah that's so awesome I feel like you know you transitioned out of a place that was home Mm. and like you said you went through this refinement process where the Lord was showing you home is with me home Mm -hmm. home is always going to be with me Mm -hmm. no matter where you go on this journey wherever I send you home is with me and then now you bring your family here to Chicago right everything's so different Mm -hmm. right even just relationships and friendships you know now having to start brand new all Mm -hmm. over again Uh, tell us what community meant to you here in Chicago Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting transition because we came from 
the neighborhood in Philadelphia was all row homes and we would see our neighbors all the time. Like they would, in the summer, they'd be sitting out on their steps. So you would just, uh, like, like my husband, we, he, he walked to work two blocks, but it would always take him at least a half an hour to get home, <laughs> his commute home, because he would get stopped and he would talk to so many people. Yeah, <laughs> along the way. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so we were used to a very tight-knit community. We were in the inner city, but it was like a small town in the way people connected and related and cared for each other in that way. So coming to Chicago, it was different because we were in Humboldt Park our first year, and the houses are kind of set apart. There's more apartments, and so we didn't see people outside. It was a little harder to get to know people for us. And then we were going to church, not right in the neighborhood, So I think we were trying, it took a while for us to get our bearings here. It's a different culture. It's a different city. I think I had expectations of Chicago being the same as Philadelphia in that Mm -hmm. way and just being able to relate and connect within the community, but learning that, no, um, God God still works here and he still does amazing things and he still works through relationships, but we're going to find those a little differently than we did in Philly. Um, So, and then we... Uh, about a year, a little less than a year, we moved down to Gage Park, so on more southwest Chicago. The neighborhood had, there's still some apartments, more houses. Um, the block that we were on has had a lot of families that have been there for like 30 years. And so that was mm-hmm. kind of reassuring to us, you know, that there was there were some roots put down there and, and that yeah. we were going to be able to build some relationships with neighbors. And, and so we've been able to do that there. And that's that's been some sweet grace in our lives of just getting to be able to, you know, get to know our neighbors and um, connect with them more. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so you and your husband, you pastor a church. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us what that looks like ministering to the neighborhood you Mm -hmm. moved into. Mm -hmm. Um, As you mentioned, it's a lot different than Philly. Mm -hmm. Um, You were ministering to a Puerto Rican, Dominican community, and now you're here in Chicago <laughs> ministering to um, Mexican yeah. community. Uh-huh. Yeah. So tell us, what, what does that look like? Yeah. 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 So that first year, we just began to pray. And then in January, the church has the, the month of, or the 21 days of, of praying and fasting. And so our heart um, desire was just asking God, where would he have us during that month? And uh, by the end of that time, we had a pretty clear picture. There was an opportunity for us in Brighton Park, which is just right above Gage Park. So as we visited the neighborhood and just prayed about it, it just, it was exciting for us. And we were, we were excited to get to be there. There was already a Spanish congregation in that building, but there, and there had been an English, but it had not continued. I think it, it had been like at least a few years since it had been there. So um, they were asking us to restart an English service yeah. there. And so God provided and led. So we had the opportunity to launch in November of 2019. Yeah. And then, yeah, we had moved the summer before down to Gage Park um, before, just before that, a few months yeah. before that. And uh, yeah, we love Brighton Park, the community and the neighborhood. Something that was was challenging right off almost off the bat is we launched in November and then COVID came around by March. Oh my uh-huh. goodness. That's so right. yeah. yeah. So that kind of felt like a little bit of a setback to us. We had yeah. to 
think about, okay, ministry online, what does that look like? But God was, God provided and was faithful through those seasons. And we learned, you know, to adapt and do small groups online and to try to stay connected with people differently. Uh, Our heart is still to like really connect in with families and children in the neighborhood. And that's been a little bit of a slower process due to COVID. But my husband was able to get a teaching job in the neighborhood. Yeah. So he's in a school and gets to know families. And he's going to coach a flag football team this spring. Oh, um, okay. So, yeah. And, nice. and we're, yeah, we're just, ex- I mean, we, we've learned in Chicago too, your ministry season is really the warmer months. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. You're right. So we spend all year talking about what we want to do in the summer. So, yeah. so last summer, we, we got our feet wet, literally. We did like a, a water park a program with water games for oh, okay. kids and families in the neighborhood. And that was a success and, and really neat to see yeah. uh, families come out and enjoy that. So we're excited to try just some more outreaches like that this summer and in the park uh, near our church. And I'm excited to do more prayer walking and praying for the community and just seeing who God puts in our path as we're out there. So but I'm really excited to continue to dig in Brighton Park and see God work and where, yeah, who he brings our way. So Yeah, that's always so exciting. And yeah. I think that COVID kind of interrupted mm-hmm. a, a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It, it interrupted a lot. But I love that you and your team, the team of people that the Lord has put together there at Brighton Park, um, just have a heart for this community, have a heart to see change, have a heart to see the Lord just move in the lives of people there. I think that's wonderful. You coming from Philly, you and your husband coming from Philly, bringing your family here um, and saying, you know what, we're going to trust the Lord. He's planted us here and he's going to use us as vessels in this community that we're very new to, mm-hmm. right? And then because things were kind of interrupted because of COVID, now mm-hmm. you're getting reacquainted mm-hmm. again with the community. Um, and so just seeing what the Lord is doing through your lives, through your obedience and making a big move like that, mm-hmm. um, because that that's not easy. Mm-hmm. That's anyone who has family and children that's not easy. You have to know it's a call from God. You mm-hmm. have to know that the Lord is calling me here and he's purposed us to do his will here for whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. Right. So are you currently facilitating in your women's ministry? Is that what you're mm-hmm. doing right now? Yeah, we've had life groups and we changed over to doing like, a. it's more of a family focused time. So every other week we meet and we do a meal together and then we divide in groups. So I, I'm leading a women's group and then the men get together and there's things for kids and teens. So that's been just really neat to see who God's brought. Even even through COVID, some people joined us on Zoom and then they now they come to our church, you know, now that we meet in person and it's, it's just yeah, yeah, it's just, um, I've, you know, I've learned so much in ministry. I, you know, I still struggle with, like, when someone would come to faith, just wanting to see them grow, like, wanting good things. Yeah. Um, but it, it can easily turn into my desires and, and control, you know, because yeah. I want to see, like, a, just a forward progress. And sometimes it's, it's more of a, you know... Yeah. Zigzag. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so it's, it's, the, it's like the verse in, in 1 Corinthians 3, it ta- in 6 and 7, it talks about how, you know, I, I planted the seed, somebody else watered it, but God yeah. made it grow. Yes. And, uh, and, and that, that verse gives me comfort. It reminds me of my role that it's yeah. my, I don't change people. You know, yes. God, God is the one who does that work. And, yeah. um, 
And so just trusting God to do that. And one of the neat things that's happened the last couple of months, we've been doing a food distribution once a month for the neighbor, for the community. And a lot of the people that come out are actually Mandarin Chinese. They speak Mandarin Chinese. And so we've just been like praying about opportunities to be able to reach that group of people because we don't know Mandarin. And that's um, exciting. But it's a growing population in our neighborhood. And so there are no Chinese churches that we know of right in the neighborhood. And so we just began praying that God would provide someone who could maybe lead a Bible study. And we'd had another church, Chinese church, that was helping us with the food distribution. And through connections with them, they've provided a couple of people that come to our family groups and have just in the last couple of times we've met started a Chinese Bible study, too. Oh, that is so So awesome. The first one that we had, the lady brought some fried rice, (laughs) which my son thought she said fireworks. He's like... I think Miss May must have left left her fireworks at home. And we're like, no, she said fried rice. (laughs) Wishful thinking. I know. He's like, maybe she'll bring them next time. (laughs) So he's still waiting for the fireworks. (laughs) At life groups inside. I don't know, but (laughs) it's so funny. That's so cute. Um, But yeah, so that's, see, I don't know. I'm just, as I'm listening, I'm just intrigued by the community that you're, you know, that you minister to, like it's growing and changing, evolving. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it seems like the Lord's doing the same in your life. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's growing, changing mindsets, mm-hmm. opening, you know, like opening your perspectives. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just changing things so that as the community changes, mm-hmm. you're prepared yes. to receive whoever comes through your doors, through yeah. those church doors. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And I think we all need to be prepared because at times we're not. Yeah. But when we are, when we're equipped to welcome people that are a lot different like us, and I think that you've had a lot of practice in that <laughs> where you've been just, you know, changed from community to community. And now here's another change. Mm. But change is good. I know change can be challenging, mm. but I also believe change is good yeah. because God's constantly working. God's constantly just moving and transitioning us and growing us in our walk with him. There was uh, something I'd heard. I don't know if you've heard of, um, she's an author. She lived through the Holocaust. Her name is Corey Ten Boom. I love, she tells, she just has this little, I don't know if it was in her book, The Hiding Place, but she talks about how our lives are kind of like a tapestry. And when we look at it, we see it from the underside that just like looks messy and stringy. There's a lot of colors, but everything's kind of knotted and you can't really make sense of it. Mm-hmm. But from God's perspective, the other side, it's a beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. piece of artwork. And I think that describes our lives so much and how God yeah. works in us and in ministry and life in general is from our perspective, it can be confusing and disorienting you know we're in the middle of it yeah but we know that we can trust God that he's doing something good on the other side (laughs) yeah and I love that you mentioned that I think that going through transition in life going through those moves in life really just draws closer to the Lord more reliant and dependent on him Mm -hmm. trusting him in the midst of the move and in the uncertainty of life you know and trusting that He's got it all worked out. He he knows the plans that he has for us, right? And trusting him there. I do want to ask you, as I ask all my guests, 
what would you say to a woman who may be going through something that you've gone through in your life? I know you talked about feeling a bit on the outside growing up and with all this change, I'm sure, you know, it's still somehow there, that feeling of being an outsider. And then also speak to that woman who's going through a possible move and is really praying about it or a big transition in life and is really kind of just praying on it. What would you say to that woman? Yeah, I just think about my anchor. Like, no matter in the ups and downs, I think, you know, Jesus calming the storm and the waves, I can get easily focused on the craziness or the chaos of life and look at the size of the waves and feel like I'm sinking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think there's been a lot of times in life, whether it's been in transition or just day-to-day life stuff too, where it can, it can feel that way and it can be paralyzing. Mm. But I think one thing I've learned about getting through that, those times is to turn your eyes back toward Jesus and hold onto his word because he is the one that anchors us. It's our continual seeking after him of placing ourselves under the truth of God's word that keeps us anchored and stable on the solid rock. So he's our safe place, our refuge. I've been studying Psalms a lot this year, and and we've been going through it in our women's group. You just see that testimony over and over again of, yeah, real-life struggles, real-life fears. You know, David speaks very candidly about so much of those ups and downs of life. But what he always comes back to is his, his hope in who God is and that, that God never changes even when everything else around us is changing. So he's, he's our solid rock. And so I think that's what I would say to any, any person going through these, these kind of <laughs> ups and downs in life or transitions that there's just so much uncertainty in our lives. And if, if we base our, our, security in trying to to find certainty we're going to be unstable (laughs) knocked off our feet all the time right (laughs) because that's what happens but but when our anchor is in him and and we know that our hope and our future is with him and that he will never leave us or forsake us he's given us that promise for those that that have a relationship with him I think that is an amazing promise like that just gives us so much comfort in the middle of everything. <laughs> yeah, it does. It sure does. Yeah. yeah. Knowing that I can trust, knowing that God's word will never fail. Mm-hmm. You know, things may fail, situations may fail, people may fail, but God's word never, never, never fails us. And we can grab a hold of that. Yeah. That renews our hope. Mm-hmm. That renews our trust in him that no matter what happens, like I love that Mm -hmm. you said to be anchored Mm -hmm. on him, you know, because we do, we, we so need to be anchored on him because Mm -hmm. those waves come crashing and they come hard yeah, and they come hard at us. And it looks so different to each one of us, Mm -hmm. but it's when we're anchored and we know, Lord, I, you're with me Mm -hmm. and I'm not alone. Yeah. And, and even if Lord, even if, you know, my hands slip from that anchor. You're holding on to mm-hmm. me. I can trust that you're holding on to me and you've got me and, and, and you're here and you're with me as your word tells me you are. Yeah. And it's that confident hope mm-hmm. to know that no matter what's happening around us, 
He's with us. In a practical sense, something that I've um, learned to do, and I think maybe someone gave me this idea from somewhere. I can't remember where. But it's just in those times where I feel paralyzed and overwhelmed, journaling is something that I continually come back to as a way of just like processing and organizing of of putting my eyes back on Jesus but but I what I would do is just like take every single thing that is overwhelming me at that moment and write it all down mm-hmm. and that becomes my prayer list and often it's they're pretty specific things whether it's you know behavior with one of my children that I'm just asking God to to work in and change and use me in that process or whether it's um just some kind of challenge that's going on at church. You know, I just write all that down and then I take it before God and pray through that whole list. And I just find such a burden lifted in that process. So that's something I've gone back to over and over again is like, okay, if, if this, if this is so overwhelming to me, like I can't even like function in my life because (laughs) these things are just, you know, on my mind, like that's, that's a call to me that I need to take that to the Lord in prayer and, and give that up to him. And, um, yeah, I've just felt so, so much comfort in that, in that process. And what I find every time is that he restores me. He, he sets my feet on a solid ground again, because he's yeah. all, he's always there and he's always my sure foundation. It's just, I forget. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And I, and I think that, um, as believers, we do tend to forget the Bible says, remember mm-hmm. in it so many times. And Paul's always reminding the believers, remember, remember. And God's also remember, mm-hmm. you know, because we tend to forget, mm-hmm. we tend to forget. And, but I love that he, he's aware of that. He's aware that we tend to forget. Mm-hmm. He's aware that there are seasons in life where we struggle to believe and have that faith that measure of faith to fully trust him. And we tend to lean in on our own understanding and rely on our own strength when clearly he's like, trust me, rely on me. Mm -hmm. And we go through things that shape us and form us. Mm -hmm. We go through things through tests, right? I mean, like you mentioned the refining Mm -hmm. where he draws us back to him and he gives us clarity of mind. He gives us clarity in our focus, you yeah. know, where things were foggy and mm-hmm. things are like, I don't know what to make of this. Mm-hmm. He gives us clarity through mm-hmm. his closeness, his his love and his presence mm-hmm. and through his word. Yeah. A verse in my life that's really brought me back to him over and over is Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2. And it uh, it talks about like fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the mm-hmm. author and perfecter of our faith. And I, I love the word fix because I try to fix myself all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, I get so frustrated. I feel so much pressure to do that sometimes, you know, like to, to do things right or to make the right decision or, you know, I get afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. And um, that verse right there um, just reminds me who, of who fixes me. It's not yes. me. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Fix, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. And so I, it reminds me that he's the one that, that gives me faith, that he's the one that's going to perfect me. And so um, it just caused me to put my eyes back on him. And that's so liberating. Mm-hmm. It's so liberating and it gives you such peace. It yeah. gives me such peace to know that I don't have to fix myself. Yeah, You yeah. know, I'm like, whew, that takes the pressure, the pressure of trying yeah. to uh-huh. fix myself yeah. off, Yeah, you know, and say, 
okay, Lord, I know you're working in me. Mm. I know that you're what we call sanctifying me. Yep. You're working yep. in me. I'm a work in progress, mm. Lord. I'm a piece of clay and you're molding me, yep. Lord. Yeah. And, yeah. and and not having that pressure or um, that, that fear of failing him mm-hmm. because I know who's in control. Yeah. And I know who's working in me mm. both to will and to do according to his wonderful purpose. Yeah. You know, in mm. every season of life, like mm. God is so good. He is so good. Yeah. I think the, the more you grow and age, <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that becomes such a preci- precious gift yeah. as a believer because mm. you've been through things and yeah. God has proven himself faithful over yes. and over again. Yes, and so it, it gives you a growing confidence that like, okay, no matter what comes, he's my anchor. He's still there and he's, he's faithful. He's good. Like we can depend on him, you know, and, and it, it's been proven over and over again in my life and in all the, the believers around me, as I get to hear the stories that are shared of other women you've talked to. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Just that comfort and that sustaining presence he has in our lives. Never not to not leave us, to not forsake us, to to provide, to be faithful. Even when we go through trials, that did, being a believer doesn't take away. We know the story of Job to know that can happen, that loss or tragedy can happen to anyone. But to have God's presence in your life through it is an amazing comfort. It is. Chrissy, thank you so much for joining me today and just sharing your story, parts of your life with me and our listeners. Thank you for sharing what it is growing up Christian and what that looks like. As we talked before, I know my children as well grew up, they're second generation Christians. And a lot of times they feel like, well, I don't have a story, Mm -hmm. but you clearly do. Mm-hmm. You clearly have a story. I know my kids clearly mm-hmm. have a story. Mm-hmm. And I know every believer has a story, the story of Jesus Christ. Yes. See, that's our story. Yeah. Our stories are just interwoven into the greatest story, which is the story of Jesus Christ. I just want to go ahead and thank our listeners. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Her Scars Tell a Story.